Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Stephanie, Wolfric, Natasha, Sophia, Goradica, Vance, Cody, Boezy, Jeremy, Brother, Ali, Nathan, Mr. Ragebomb, Libby, Wes, Dreskel, Aaron, Danielle, Kristen, Tia, Lauren, Jonathan, Kate, Alex, Isaac, and Karoon. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do it in the Facebook group where we hang out pretty much daily. You guys know what you make when you grind up the hooves of a Pegasus? No, I don't. Airplane glue. (laughs) Oh, God! I hate you so much. (laughs) Did you just make that up? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. I'm angry at how dumb it is. I don't know if you guys know this, but Mikey was hired over uh, last summer as an intern on the show Last of Us, and his only job was to write that joke book that <laughs> she's using. <laughs> she's using in Last in of the Us? episode. So, like, that's what's been going on. Uh, all I have to say is between Last of Us and this, I don't fucking trust mushrooms. Me either. If you're a mushroom, it's on site. You can fuck <laughs> off. I don't care if you do it in the dark. Yeah. Oh, yeah, from the picture. Way to call back the film. I love it. I don't know if you know this, Mikey, but I'm like a professional. He froze. He froze. I'm glad he froze at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was said because the internet lagged out and it no, cut from you, you guys like, not I'm going to tell you something and you froze. I was like, I'm so glad he froze right there. That's the perfect time to freeze. <laughs> That's funny because what I said was, I'm a professional. So it's funny that that didn't come through. Holy uh, shit. God edited that out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. I'm the Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you all made me watch The, the Girl with us. All oh, the Gifts. The Girl with All the Gifts. Yes. Or another movie where a little girl is the villain. <laughs> she might be the villain. She is not the villain of this movie. Todd, oh, she kills everyone I, and imprisons a lady and makes her teach them for all, for all of time. Oh, yeah. I'm just going by the metaphor of this movie. I would say that she is not the villain if you're going by just the metaphor. The metaphor... It's a little muddy. Oh, I didn't see it as muddy at all. I'm going to light all these spores up to really finish everybody off. It got a little more. I'm like, okay, she's like really trying hard to kill everyone now. Essentially, it's contrasting her against us. And in that conversation she has with Glenn Close at the end where it's like, why do we have to die so you can live? And it is basically this, we are done serving you. We are the evolution of the new thing. We have just as much a right to live as you. So from that perspective, I do understand it. That said, dark to think about just... Justino's future. <laughs> so I, we should start with, was this the first time you had seen this movie? This was the first time I had seen this It was movie. my first time as well. Mikey, you read the book. I know you mentioned that last week. So. I read the book, and so I was really excited about the movie, especially with Glenn Close. And so I saw the movie, I think, in theaters or like, like a... Somewhere like that. I, I remember being really excited about it. It wasn't in U.S. theaters. It may have been in like smaller theaters like the Belcourt, that, Mikey. I think it was at Belcourt or something that like that. That would make sense, yeah. But it wasn't. It didn't get a full theatrical release here. It did elsewhere, and we'll talk about it. And I liked the movie. I thought it was a good adaptation of the book. The book was oh, really good. good. 
Because this was during like Walking Dead heyday. Man, this is so much better than Walking Dead. Well, Walking Dead, the comics, different. Oh, than... yeah. I'm not talking about the comics. I'm talking about the, sh- the, the show that everyone is familiar God, the with. The story in the comics is so good. Okay, I can't get I know. That. I know. That's what makes me so mad. And I think the first season of The Walking Dead was great. And then they deviate from the story of the comics and it gets bad. I was still here for it for like most of season two and then I fell off. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like Game of Thrones at that point. When they get out over the content material, like they're. They either deviate from it or they're past where the story is in the in the actual material from the comics or the books. It gets bad. No, Walking Dead is dumb because they had all of the material and they changed stuff to yeah. like keep you guessing, and they made the wrong choices every time. Yeah, because the right choices were made, and you just have to follow the map that the comics laid out for you. You idiots! Thanks for destroying a great show. Well, okay, but here's here's the thing though. There is something to be said for making changes. I think Last of Us is doing a great job of that. Yes. Where it's like, yes. You know, it does deviate, but the places it deviates are phenomenal. And so you kind of, you know, there is a way to do it. It's just that I I think Walking Dead made some questionable decisions in how they did it. Anyway, we, we should focus back on this movie, though. So, like, it was everyone's either first or, I'm assuming, second time, but first time in a long time for you, Mikey. What did you guys think about it on this rewatch for you, Mikey, and then first viewing for you, Paige? I like it. I mean, I think it's probably the third or fourth time I've seen it. I mean, I liked it a lot when it came out. Oh, um, I didn't realize you saw it that much. Okay, cool. I don't know. I mean, the world's a different place than when this came out. I, I don't yes, know. I felt it more nihilistic on this watch than when I when it was before. Because like before, when it came out, the book was really praised as being like such an interesting twist on like a zombie story and stuff like that. Yeah, and I really liked that too. But then I think we've kind of changed as things have gotten a little darker. So I was like, uh, it was just it was just a little dark dark for me. Again, I don't know. I'm just in that spot where I was like, yeah, yeah, the nihilism, so good. But also like I really on this thing where I think that you know she shouldn't have let that pillar on fire maybe like I, I don't know <laughs> I don't necessarily view it as nihilistic like I understand I get what you're saying and you're not wrong well it's like it's a twist on like I am legend the book I was I gonna say that it is a lot like the book I am legend right because it is about in the book it's a vampire right it's not a, not a zombie necessarily yeah well, in the book vampires. it's the last human and then right. he like lived in a world like this but they were like the kids but they had grown up in their whole society but he never saw it because yeah you know they didn't talk to him because he was murdering all of them. Yeah, he was their vampire. It was more a cool, or less. It's like, that's a cool. That's a cool novel. Yeah, it gives me kind of a Horizon vibe in a good way. This idea of like a lot of times with zombie movies, it is kind of depressing and not hopeful and nihilistic because the idea is that eventually humans are all going to die out, and it's that's just the end. And I think what this movie presents is that maybe it's not the end. Maybe. It is a new stage of evolution and it will be different, but something lives on. It's just not us. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I like the ending of this movie. I don't hate it. It really hammers the metaphor, but I sort of love the metaphor. Don't get me wrong. That woman is going to to slowly starve to death in that lap. (laughs) Like she's not going to last long and it's going to be dark and terrible. But the idea that like these children can grow up as kind of a new hybrid I'm kind of into. I think that's pretty unique. Yeah. Um, I don't like how scared of mushrooms I am just generally <laughs> at this point in life. I don't like that's them. I don't trust them. them. I'm definitely not going to eat them. Ever again. Uh, I was going to make Wellington, but no, apparently. So. Oh, Wellington. <laughs> oh, Wellington. I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. I've got a dangerous mushroom. Oh. Um, is it like a. Fleshy? <laughs> Ooh. 
They're all kind of fleshy and spongy. And that's also why I don't like that. There was a thing during pandemic where everyone was growing mushrooms at home. And I was like, why? I mean, unless they're psychedelic mushrooms, which unfortunately I've never done. Todd, I love you. I don't think you could handle the taste. Uh, and listen, I hate mushrooms. That's probably the main reason I've never done them as a drug. But I dig what happens to you when you take mushrooms. I think I would enjoy that experience. I've never done it. Because the taste barrier to entry is too gross for me to experience. That, that's it. not my barrier to entry. My barrier to entry is absolute fear that I will never come back. So like, oh yeah, that's my fear. But no, I have a thing with mushrooms where i enjoy the flavor and not the texture yeah i hate the texture too I, the the idea that they're gonna be the dominant race on the planet not having it not enjoying it i love mushrooms i guess i'll be the minority voice on this well I'm, i'll be the the voice of dissent on this podcast the collaborator I, you mean you know the traitor you would say they did not collaborate you're just with carrying the out the mushroom agenda <laughs> We're trying to bomb ourselves to safety and you're the one just joining in on the mushrooms. I like mushrooms and Italian sausage together on a pizza and I will not be ashamed. I do think we have proof that he is a traitor because if I refer back to earlier in this recording, I believe he said, I have a mushroom. He I did. He did. Your face is going to turn into a weird spore. Is that a blackhead? I don't really know all the terminology. <laughs> Mikey hasn't dated enough anestheticians. <laughs> Generally, they just bleach buttholes. <laughs> Generally, when <laughs> you date them, that's what they do. Anesthetician. <laughs> so any movie that like points out that the boomer generation has survived off cannibalizing the futures of the younger generations and then the Which younger is what generations this movie does, 100%, surviving yeah. in the new world while boomers die out from their own fucking hubris. I'm super here for that message. And it also has like, it's not just like a class or generational message, although those are in there, but it's also like a race message as well that you can see that yeah. because she is a little black girl and she's like, I'm done serving you in this way. Yeah. Yeah. Why should I die so you can live? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's, that's one of the reasons why I loved this movie. It's like, listen, you can either sort of join the new civilization or die out. And I think with the teacher character and I do Get that she is like in jail. She is trapped there. Yeah, she she will die. <laughs> she wakes up every morning crying. I think in the metaphor of the movie, like she is alive because she is okay with them living their own life, right? She's really the only character who was like compassionate towards those kids at all. And right. I think that's why she's alive at the end. I do sort of think everyone else is dead. And that's fine. Oh, yeah. Ev everyone else is definitely dead. But I do think you have to question, is she alive? Oh, no. I mean, she's a prisoner for the rest of her life. Is that a life? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I do think that they would keep her alive as long as possible. You know, they would bring her like canned foods or whatever, you know, to keep but they her alive. Can't, they have no way to get the canned foods into her, Todd. Well, no, she can go in. They can, from the outside, open the airlock. Because there's a release they do into it. Okay. So you could do it. In the book, it goes into it more. It yeah. goes into okay. it more. Well, and then we also see that gas mask that's in there because Glenn Close had it on at one yeah, point. Yeah, so she yeah. could put that on too. I'm just saying like it's still terrible even though they would keep her alive, you know? But here's the thing. They could have done all of that without 
lighting the spores on fire to kill people who are not in the movie. We also don't know how far those spores go. I assume in the, in the book, book it seems it's globally. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> yeah, and Glenn Close does say that she's like, "This is the end of the world if this catches on fire." More or less. Yeah. 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 So that's the way it's set up in the movie too. The book is bleak as in, in that way, but of like, course, <laughs> that's the thing is that that would have happened anyway. You don't have to speed it along. You could have had the same ending we had, and because it's just a ticking time bomb. I would argue that from her perspective, why wait for yeah. it to take place and fear for your life every day from soldiers coming through the city for whatever reason, when you could just take control, maybe not take control uh, of, I, but remove that threat entirely by setting that thing on fire. Like, I understand why she did that. The thing is, that kills way more than the soldier. The soldiers there, that kills everybody. No, it doesn't. It doesn't kill everybody. It kills all of humanity. It doesn't kill the hybrid that she is, yeah. which I'm not fully... Yeah. Sure, what that is. I mean, like, that's equally as cruel as they were. And then, see, that's the thing where it breaks down for me is that that's not super an evolution. That's just violence begetting violence. I don't disagree. I I don't disagree. It is violence begetting violence. But also, the seed pods are going to go off no matter what. Yeah. At some point. Like, there is there is no world in which humans survive yeah. at that point unless they're in where the teacher is right and, and it, it is a terrible life but that is the only life that you can have whether she lights it on fire or not it literally is a matter of time until yeah. it's there anyway I see what you're saying Paige yeah it is super fucking bleak though like we're all like yeah man yeah fuck. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I mean if someone like it's like well th- that's a slippery slope of like well it's gonna happen anyway let's just like move it along oh yeah i don't think she makes the moral choice i think she makes a very logical choice in that moment kids don't develop morality <laughs> very, yeah, yeah, very i was gonna late. say they kind of, they kind of established this earlier in the movie that she understands problems from a logical point of view yeah not necessarily a theoretical one and so to her that is the logical choice because uh, that that's a, mm-hmm. of course it is. That's what you have to do. Yeah, she values the life of the people she was with because she likes them, but fails to see that people are all individuals and they can all be compassionate of that nature. You know, like like right, she was yeah. she was so mad that the, she was like, oh, the sergeant's gonna die because he left. You were supposed to stay in there, right? Yeah, and the teacher, but like. Everyone is like that, that you're killing as well, or speeding along the process of them dying. Yeah. She ate a cat and then used a dog as bait. This is like a bad movie for pets. Oh, yeah. Like, for a movie that I liked so much, I really hated that she ate a cat and then used a dog as a distraction. But that girl fucking murked a pigeon. (laughs) I was pretty excited about that. I know. Like, I wish we could have seen her just snatch it out of the air. That would have been great. (laughs) Well, they're too hot. She gave up on that. She heard them in the in the hangar. She was like, I can go jump on one that's, that's lower. No, I know, but it was, I, I think she went up high to get closer to them. I wanted to see her just like, snatch or whatever. <laughs> so do you guys want to go to this movie scene by scene? Sure. Let's do sure. it. We open with Melanie in her cell counting, learning her numbers and looking at a picture of a kitty and a picture of leaves. Yeah, she was like, that kitty looks delicious. <laughs> Come to find out, she's in alternative school. Like that kid that left your school after that really bad incident. Yeah. This is where they end up. Mm-hmm. Oh no. But she gets up, gets dressed and gets into a wheelchair that has like straps, like luggage ratchet straps. Yes. <laughs> and we hear the guard saying, rise and shine, you little abortions, which is real troubling until you find out how they found them. And then you're like, well, okay, maybe more accurate than we thought. <laughs> yeah, which is so dark. I, I did Super not dark. love that. Yeah. Yeah, but they're more like self 
initiated, yes, you know? they are. Yes. I think what we like to call them is a self-starter, an independent mm-hmm. contributor. Anyway, they come in, they strap her into the wheelchair. Yeah. They take them into a classroom where they're literally just like a bunch of kids in, strapped into wheelchairs in these little like parking spaces in this classroom. And they're memorizing the periodic table and they know like all of it, which is wild. Oh, yeah. Like the names of each element, the abbreviation for them, their number. Yeah. Like it's yeah. crazy. They know way too much. Well, three of them know. I'm sure there's a guy like me in the back who's like oh fuck this periodic table everyone in here smells (laughs) delicious (laughs) (laughs) the teacher switches because their normal teacher comes in so the lady who was quizzing them on the periodic table we will find out is one of the other doctors but is not their normal teacher yeah uh, so their teacher miss justino comes in and she's clearly immediately more compassionate where she is like great we haven't really gone over this but we'll we'll go over other stuff and they're like can we have a story so we we find out that she probably reads them stories pretty frequently yeah and she starts out with greek myths and they read the myth of pandora's box so it's Chekhov's pandora's box for later in yeah. the film mm-hmm. they take them back to their cells at the end of the night with guns and they feed them worms which is real gross but it made sense to me because they it did you know what they actually want to be eating at first i was like why would you give a kid fucking mealworms that's gross yeah but like it makes sense (laughs) like that's probably what she wants to eat yeah but if you just put some like crushed up oreos in there it's like a dessert guys not to derail (laughs) us so fast there's a new Oreo called the Most Oreo, and it's like a super stuff Oreo yeah. cookies, and they're so fucking good. I just want oh. a dog bowl full of crushed up giant Oreos. Why a dog bowl, Paige? Why not just like a regular <laughs> bowl? Just like full she of had it? the mealworms. Like instead of mealworms, give me Oreos and maybe gummy worms. What food would you eat out of a dog bowl? As long as the dog bowl was clean, I'd eat any kind of food out of a dog bowl. I no, have no, 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 no. Not with hands. Like, you have to get in there like a dog and eat it. Oh, um, ice cream. If I want to eat out of a dog bowl, I am going to my favorite eat like a dog themed restaurant called Good Boy. There's an eat like a dog themed restaurant? No. Why would that exist? <laughs> of course I'm making it up. Medieval times exists. Don't give me shit. People do stupid shit all the time. But a restaurant where you go get treated like a dog, actually, as I'm saying, and I'm sure there yeah, are some people out there You're saying it out loud, like, and I'm like, you think Yo, Japan I'm hasn't thought of this? That. America is next. We're definitely going to have one of these. No, Todd, the question was what food would you eat out of a dog bowl, not whatever you're talking about i mean like like page if it was clean i don't give a shit no no hands yeah you're going you're going in there you know what i'm saying <laughs> you can't put pussy in a dog bowl todd only because we haven't tried hard enough <laughs> the science is there <laughs> what is not a pool except a very large dog bowl finally mikey's philosophies make sense to me yeah there's a bar chain called Double Dogs, and they serve nachos out of a dog bowl. I would eat nachos out of a dog bowl. I'd I would eat nachos out of a dog bowl all day long. And I would bark while I'm doing it. <laughs> I think I'd go mac and cheese. Oh, That's a good choice shit. as well. I would face down some mac and cheese so hard. Yeah. That's what I call eating out of a dog bowl, face downing. Because you got to <laughs> put your face down in that bowl. <laughs> Downward facing dog. You know. know. Anyway, so she's downward facing dog, these mealworms. These mealworms. Yeah. In her room. Anyway, we cut to later that night. Yeah. And 
Glenn Close is doing rounds and basically passing through the hallway and she asks her to solve a problem, like a riddle. Yeah. And then asks her about Schrodinger's cat, basically to give her a new riddle, but then also asks her to pick a number between 1 and 20 and she picks 13. Yeah. I thought it was super interesting that the, that the next like riddle she gives Glenn Close gives her is the Schrodinger's cat one because I think that's sort of what the movie is asking on some level like are these yes kids people or not like are they alive yeah. or not in the way that we see things as alive and I thought that right. that was really cool because that's essentially what the riddle Schrodinger's cat was all about it is but also I think having her pick a number is her way of absolving herself of picking which kid goes next oh no it is and it's super yeah. dark that she asks four to pick her next victim four is what uh melanie's number is yeah well and i think she also knows that yeah, she figured she, it out she figured it out because she had her pick well and, and so the very next day 13 is closed kenny doesn't come to class and they talk about odysseus but she now is kind of like the wheels are already turning yeah i mean she may not know that 13 is dead and his brains in a jar in her office but mm -hmm. that 13 is no longer there at least so she then picks herself when asked that yeah. question again by glenn close which i thought was sort of cool it, it is but it, it's curiosity killed the cat yes anyway so uh during this class they she has them write a story and melanie writes a story and it's clearly one that she's thought out it's not just chat gpt although it's kind of chat gpt where she actually comes up with a story with thoughts themes and things that are important to her yeah which i think makes uh just know the teacher be like um, you are alive because you this this was a Turing test and you passed. Yeah, basically, <laughs> like you you aren't just this is not just synapses firing. You had creativity and thought on your own. Um, I hated this kind of girl in class though because she's like, oh, you didn't collect homework first and blah blah blah. I like this kind of girl you don't want to take a class with, especially at the end of the world. Plus, she's part mushroom, so like, mm. if Mikey was part mushroom, you better believe he'd be a fun guy. No. Oh, yeah. Look, my, my bro Mario and I, we both love mushrooms, man. <laughs> it's -a me, a mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's -a me, a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did like, Todd, did you read the... So we got paid for something that we did as a podcast, and it went to me directly, so I had to disseminate the payments to the others. <laughs> From last year. It was like a From year ago. From last year. I was like, Paige, why did you send me $30 today? I literally forgot. Well, I, so they, because they paid me today. Because they asked as we were preparing to do other stuff, they were like, did we pay you? And I was like, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> like, and to be honest, it's never enough money for us to care. I know. <laughs> it is not important to us. When it's, you guys are thinking like, oh, I bet they got paid. Trust me. It's yeah, not no. that. It's not that. <laughs> and and so I texted, I, I texted into the group chat to be like, hey, I just got paid for this. I can either send you a hilarious small amount of payments to split it up or I can hang on to it and we can have lunch at Panic Fest or whatever. But because we have to track things for taxes whenever we travel, we decided to split it up. So I sent it to Todd with a series of problematic erotic emojis. And then I sent one to Mikey with just Italian hand, Italian hand, Italian hand, pizza, <laughs> can of tomato sauce, spaghetti. But I did not read the group chat. So I was like, hey, Paige, you tried to pay me for pizza today. I think you got the wrong person on Venmo. And I was like, no, I tried to pay you a cut of our thing in Italian. Paige, knowing what you sent me, can I show you a screenshot I took on my phone? Yep. <laughs> God, it was like a 
cut and paste from my sexting. <laughs> I literally sent it to Natalie because I thought it was so funny. That's why I have it on my phone. It, can I tell you that it took me a couple tries to get the finger positioning right? <laughs> anyway, much like I had creative thought around emojis, this child has creative thought and is therefore probably alive at a person. At least as far as the teacher is concerned, yes. Yes. And Ms. Justino, the teacher, knows what's happening to the students who disappear. So, And now having like watched it, this reaction makes a lot more sense that she is like, immediately sad and crying and goes to touch the top of Melanie's head. Yeah. And immediately the soldiers break in and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? And he gives a demonstration of what could happen. And he kind of spits on his arm, which we don't understand at first, but essentially he's washing off the blocker gel yes. that they wear. Yeah. This movie does a great job of showing, not telling, but yes. because we don't know they're wearing like zombie block, like you wear sunblock. Tough acting, ten yeah. acting, the <laughs> toughest acting. So, I mean, he does just spit on his arm and sort of wipe it off. And then yeah. those kids start to smell him and start to turn into like zombies. It's a really cool scene. It is. For some reason, something about the way they directed the kids to be zombie bites is weirdly cute. Like when the little girl has the rat later, I was like, she's kind of cute. Oh, wow. I don't like, know that um, I had that. Yeah. It's almost cartoonish because they're they got their eyes are kind of buggy. They've got kid teeth. And so they're just kind of like, ah, 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 kind of like Mr. Bubs, the dog. Are you guys familiar with Mr. Bubs? Uh, nope. Yeah, no, but they kind of look like nutcrackers to me. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Mr. Bubs is this dog on Instagram that there's something up with the dog. The dog dog just like reacts to everyone as if it's going to attack them but it's also like a tiny tiny dog but he's just constantly just like <laughs> and that's kind of what these kids are like oh he's got rabies i get it no just uh messed up and then when they like anytime they like catch mr they're like mr bubs he's like <laughs> like like he's all barking no bites um but sometimes they dress him up like freddy krueger and it's pretty great <laughs> sounds adorable you guys are missing out if you're not watching Mr. Bubs. That really hurt my throat to do the Mr. Bubs noise. I mean, you you were all in on that, so <laughs> it sounded painful. Anyway, <laughs> the kids all try to bite him, and so he's, he stepped back and he's like, they're not human. End of story. Yeah. And he wipes some sort of something back on his arm. And in my, in my nose, I just have, is it magic lotion? And it is. Yes, Basically, magic lotion. <laughs> the most magic of lotions. The most magic lotion. It's zombie off? Or whatever, <laughs> like forbidden toothpaste. Yeah, it is in the same kind of container as like a like an itch cream. <laughs> yeah, it would be like a container of sunscreen you find in the Fallout universe. Right, that's right, that's sort right. of what it looks like. Really, these survivors are very bad. They've already had they they manufacture and market this cream, but they can't get their shit together. Like I'm like. You can do all that, but you have to be in like this normal base with just a chain link fence on it. Yeah. Yeah. Just a chain link fence does seem wildly problematic for what is happening in the world. But right. I imagine that you sort of just have to use what you have access to. So like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, We also find out that the cream doesn't mean the zombies can't smell them. It just means that they smell different. Yeah. So they, they smell bad. 
but not not human. Yeah. Which means that for the hungries that are around humans that wear it and know about it, it is really not as much of a deterrent as you would think. No, because they know that that bad smell is what humans smell like when they're wearing the zombie blocker, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So it's yeah. almost as bad, if not equally as bad. But right. most zombies don't know that. It's really just the kids that we find in the wild that are like Melanie. They know that, right? Right. Well, they, and they've had to learn that. I mean, those children are essentially feral. Yeah, well, those children mm-hmm. are feral, but also the children at the base also know that. Yes. So it's not even really saving them from the children at the base. The children at the base are just trying not to bite them, which means that they are alive. Like, the more you learn about it, the more you're like, they are definitely alive. Like, yeah. yikes. <laughs> So they take all the kids back to their cells. They leave Melanie restrained and she can't get out on her own, which means that she's basically stuck in her wheelchair until morning. And when Miss Justino passes through to peek in on Melanie, she sees that she was left restrained. And so she opens yeah. the door to try to unstrap her. And Melanie is like, hey, get out yeah. or I will bite you. Yeah, she's like, I, I can smell you. And you need to leave. Yeah. It does seem like they have control over it for a little bit before the full zombie takes over their mind uh, when there's like food around or what they would consider food around. Well, they, Mm -hmm. Mikey and Paige would consider food. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she tells her to get away and then does sort of try and bite her on her way out, you know, because she she transitions into full ass zombie at that point. Right. Yes. So. Miss Justino gets out and rubs herself down with blocker gel. Yeah. And she's like laying against the door like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Like she's apologizing to Melanie for what happened. Yeah. But all she needed was a Snickers, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you're a zombie when you're hungry, Melanie. Mm -hmm. Melanie. So Glenn Close (laughs) walks back through the hall later and finds the tube of blocker gel that Justino dropped. Yeah. And she opens the little hatch to Melanie's door and is like, hey, I know that the other teacher was here tonight. What's another number between one and 20? And she says four. And she says, really, are you sure you want to pick four? Uh huh. And she says, yes. Yeah. And as Glenn Close walks away from the door, we see that her door is number four. So the next morning she wakes up but they don't come to get her the way they normally would. So they come and get her last. She goes into the elevator. And as they kind of walk across the base, there's like a skirmish at one of the fences. It's, it seems almost like they're about to be surrounded by a, a swarm to use the vernacular of like the walking dead. Right. Right. And and I think be- the way that Sergeant Parker, Patty Considine reacts to it, he's kind of just like flamethrowers. Like this is something that happens regularly and this is not out of the norm. But yeah. this one gets out of hand yeah yeah uh so they take her to the operating room where we see 13's brain in a jar and we realize that glenn close and selkirk the other doctor are about to operate on melanie and take her brain and spine for a vaccine now knowing what we know about the symbiotic relationship i don't know that a vaccine would be possible i don't know either i mean we only get glenn close saying it will work throughout this movie and we just have to like right take her at her word on that maybe it would have maybe it wouldn't have it turns out it doesn't matter because the way the story plays out but yeah i don't know Paige. yeah i'm trying to remember what the book said i i think the book mentioned that she was special or whatever that's like part yeah. of all the gifts or whatever but they don't really mention the movie because i was like if they failed in the last brain two days ago why would this one be any different yeah well and, and it is implied that melanie seems to have more creative thought on her own but also those kids are 
kids. So like, I, I think some some of the things that they're trying to test, I'm like, yeah, it's also a child. <laughs> so like, you know, some kids are more creative than others. Like, you're just, it's kind of a mixed bag. Oh, see, I didn't even think about it like that page, although creativity would probably manifest itself this way too. But like, in my mind, it was like, they had to find the child that had the perfect balance of... Mix of both. Yeah, how far into like its gestation from like fetus to baby was it when it turned Mm. and then that gave it the right mix of human plus zombie right that allows for them to be an actual person right so in my mind some of her classmates were not actual people Uh. and she was just the right mix of whatever that made her the one with all the gifts, right? The Mm. one that was the one and the other ones were close. So they might seem like they might be too, right? That was my thought on it. But I I mean, I think the creativity also that you were talking about would be as a direct result of what I was explaining too. So you just found like a shorthand for it, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I also think, especially given the conversation she has with Glenn Close, I think they don't have, adequate information to judge which ones of them are alive and which ones aren't and they don't care like they really don't they don't see them as human no they don't they're willing to just sacrifice them regardless that's why they're willing to cut melanie open it doesn't matter if she's special it's worth a try yeah you know and so i think you could definitely argue that all of her classmates had value oh that's not what i was saying yeah no i I know but like they they were alive they were their own people they are just as valuable and interesting as melanie absolutely they just present differently because they're people and people are all different but the humans in the movie ignore that and ignore the potential for that because they don't view them as human absolutely yeah yeah so like while melanie seems to have all the gifts and she does seem extremely bright for sure and maybe this is different in the book but to me i was like it could have been any of those kids well we know it's not though because it would have worked on 13 if it was well, but that's that's what I'm saying. I don't think it works at all. I, well, you absolutely might be right. Yeah. I mean, we only have one character who does have like, I think she has great motivations for why she's doing what she's doing. But she also, because it's her mm-hmm. and she is, sees herself as the main character, is going to think that, yes, this is the one that's going to do it. Right. Right. So you can't necessarily trust her. Yeah. <laughs> I just wish you could have seen my face when I read the book because I thought it was a book about Mrs. Claus, the girl with all the, the gifts. The oh, all the gifts. <laughs> Jesus. No. Sorry. And I was like, oh shit, a zombie apocalypse. This is way different than the North Pole warm and fuzzy story I was going for. And that's yes. what turned Mikey into Spruce Randolph. Spruce Randolph. <laughs> so mad about this not being a Christmas book. He grew a goatee and went evil. My thinking was when she describes that it's a symbiotic relationship and that they cannot necessarily be separated, when we see 13's brain, It's got all these vines and stuff growing out of it, but 13 was a walking, talking person. So to me, I was like, if you cut Melanie's brain open, it's probably the same. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's not going to work. There is no vaccine. Yeah, I think in the book, she was just refining the process as she went. I'm trying to, and it wasn't like she was special. It was just like, okay, I got like halfway there with this brain and that brain. Now I'm ready to, to synthesize. I'm trying to remember that's a key point. I don't think they like pointed out enough. The, the way the movie makes it seem is it is that she has to find the right brain yeah. to then use to sort of backward engineer a or like distill it down to a vaccine of some sort. Like none of it makes sense. She might just be yeah. a crazy old lady. Like we don't know. We're just taking her at her word. I really don't think you can make a vaccine in a double wide trailer. So like I think the movie breaks down like that. I yeah, a little... will say 
a lot of the quote vaccines I've heard about that have come from Devil Wide trailers also cause those trailers to explode when not mixed mm-hmm, correctly, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they are of the meth variety. Yes, shake and bake. They're hundred <laughs> percent accurate at making toasters not work. Like it prevents working toasters hundred mm-hmm. percent of the time because once you take it, you just disassemble everything in your house. I'm the one who shakes and bakes. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shake and bake is when you put the ingredients of meth in a two-liter bottle and shake it up to make meth yeah it's not very safe it's not your high grade p2p solution yeah it's basically like mentos and diet coke but you blow up like <laughs> but it has two different kinds of battery acid <laughs> it is the most fresh maker <laughs> like meth is one of the drugs that scares the shit out of me but todd if you don't blow up you make a hundred bucks <laughs> That's not a good enough return on investment for me. Like, if you're going to ask me to do something that's going to put my body in dangerous way, I'm not going to do that for a It better be a hundred grand. Do we think we could have just gotten those kids into barbecue? Now you're posing a very good question, Paige. Like, is there a zombie IP out there, a movie, a comic, a book, where the zombies are pacified by pork futures? Like, this is what I need to know. Like, do they just turn, like, a barbecue restaurant into, like, a zombie buffet? I'm saying in the context of this movie, because they she seems to be fine as long as she's eating meat, right? Yeah. She's just, like, an extreme carnivore. It's not necessarily human meat is what you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just meat in general and blood. They seem to like blood. So, like, is there a way that they could have lived symbiotically as opposed to... But that would require them to meet the needs of the hungry. Oh, Yeah, you know who doesn't like to do that? Capitalism. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. And yeah. so now we're Forget getting it. to it some of the class work. metaphor in this movie, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you don't think that when, like, we nail ageless technology and we nail AI and we nail robotics... That the wealthy among us are not going to let the working class just die out because we will then be an annoyance to them. And the planet's population will go from 6 billion to 500,000. You're crazy. Like that happens 2400, year 2400. Yeah, but that. That's like trusting the machines too much because first of all, then you become the working class because the machines will take over. They take over all the manual labor. Yeah. No, no, no. They will learn enough to just take over and Terminator will happen. So like this is just foolish on your part. This is not my plan, Paige. This is not what I want to see I know see you are the mastermind <laughs> behind Skynet. Just let, just let me bone hot robot dudes for a little bit before you crush my skull under tank tread. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> You might have heard me under my <laughs> alias, uh, <laughs> listeners. My alias is Dr. Miles Bennett Dyson, who is the founder of Skynet. Oh, <laughs> Skynet has a couple different iterations, Todd. Yeah, 1.0, 2.0. <laughs> yeah, Paige, I was there for them all. Skynet 95, Skynet 2000. <laughs> Skynet Vista, but we don't talk about that one. <laughs> anyway, so they're loading Melanie. Uh, they, they try to knock her out with anesthesia. She wakes up almost instantly. It doesn't really work on her, but they're loading her onto the table. Yeah. And they're going to operate on her. I mean, they're about to kill her. I mean, they really are. Yeah. Like, that's what they're yeah. doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just before they can, Justin O breaks in. 
And they have like, she has an argument with Glenn Close where she's just like, they're children. And Glenn Close is like, they aren't even human. And yeah. it's this like, like, I hear you. I understand what you're saying, but we need a vaccine. So even if they are human, fuck them. Like, it's not, you I, know. Well, I, that is very much Glenn Close's outlook. I think it's, I think her view of herself is much more compassionate right. than I don't care if they're human. They might contain the, contain the cure. So fuck them. Uh, in her mind, she is saving all of humanity. Right. And that is her goal throughout this whole movie. It's just that at this point in the world's history, as far as this movie is concerned, humanity is a lost cause and it's time for what's next to take over. That's what happens over the course of this movie. We are essentially right. watching what happened. This is going to sound insane, but we're essentially watching a movie that about when Neanderthals died out. Right. And Homo sapiens became the dominant species. Or when the robots kill us and they <laughs> become the dominant The robots species. that are made in our image. When the mushrooms raise up out of the ground and they become the dominant species. But I mean, ne Neanderthals looked a lot like Homo sapiens and just... I I mean, I, I think research says that we like crossbred with them and kind of they kind of like just absorbed into us. Oh, that is actually what happened in history. Yeah. By how? Putting mushrooms inside them. <laughs> follow the mushroom. I mean, if there's one thing I know about humanity is that we're definitely going to try to like fuck our way out of the problem first. Yeah. Oh, man. I got to be honest with you. I've been trying to raw dog late stage capitalism for like my entire <laughs> life and it's pretty terrible. I wouldn't recommend it. So it seems like they're going to come to an agreement and put down the scalpel, put down the gun or whatever. But as soon as Justin O does, Glenn Close pepper sprays her and calls for security. Yeah. And she basically says, she's like, this is not just a random biopsy. I'm testing a batch of a vaccine and I need her brain to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. But as they are taking Justin O away and strapping, strapping Melanie down, we hear that there's a siren for a breach. And they're like, should we postpone? And she's like, no, drop the shutters. But literally right out of the window, yeah. we see zombies running at the window from, and then they jump through. Yeah, yeah, from pretty far away. Like they are running towards them. And it's funny because the orderly or nurse or maybe other doctor who's in there with her to assist, who go, who's going to shut the shutters, doesn't see them because the shutters are down past where her head is. By the time they get close enough to like really be able to notice that it's not a soldier, it's a zombie running at you. So like right. she gets grabbed through the window more or less and gets bit. Yeah. Right. Such a cool shot. And they turn fast. It's a very cool shot. They they shoot the zombies. They kind of barricade the doors. Yeah. And the doctor runs through and shuts herself in a door, leaving the other doctor in the room just infected, licking the blood off the floor. That's so gross. It's very creepy. Yeah. Ugh. But this gives Melanie a chance to get the scalpel and cut the straps. Yeah. And she runs out. And because she is a hungry, they don't attack her. Yeah. And she sees... Miss Justino being dragged away by security and she attacks the soldiers hurting her and then picks up Miss Justino and carries her away. Yeah. I think in the book she attacks other zombies too in this scene, which I thought was a cool. Mm. Well, they do kind of, we don't know yet that the zombies would kind of 
pass them by because Justin O smells like the blocker. Although everyone else smells like the blocker too. I guess the swarm just doesn't care. Well, that, we don't see anyone that knows the smell of the blocker until we see the kids at the very end. Like that may yeah. be the only crew that knows about the other smell, you know? Yeah, which is weird that then these zombies are attacking. Well, I think they're attacking because they're making noise at the base because we do see them come towards noise too. They come towards noise, but Technically, all these people, well, I guess if there's noise and you awaken them, they can. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they end up hopping into the back of a Jeep and the Jeep escapes. I mean, it was the Jeep that we saw just like collide with all the zombies that yeah. were running at them literally seconds ago. Like it's it's yep. really it's a really cool shot. Like I really liked this scene. Yeah, it was great. And the doctor is in the Jeep. So now it's Melanie, Justin O, the doctor, Parker, and then two other soldiers, one of which we'll find is Kieran. Yeah. And the other's another guy. And they make it out of the base. And they're basically the only ones that make it out alive. Yeah, they're the only survivors. With the exception of the kids we see at the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the book, I think she goes back and gets all the kids from the base. Yeah, at the end, yeah, we, we see, see them, them all in the school yeah. scene. Mm -hmm. Because I thought those kids were literally trapped in their cells. Yeah. Or in the classroom. Or, you know, they weren't, like, released necessarily. It depends on when the attack happened. They might have been in the classroom and been okay. But in my mind, I, th I was like, oh, my God, those kids are just trapped in those cells forever. And that's a nightmare. Well, and this movie seems to take place over only a couple days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but they drive out into kind of a wooded area. They check for supplies. The Jeep has pretty much nothing except it does have a face mask yeah. that they can have Melanie wear. And they're trying to get in contact with Beacon, which is like the next base. But in the interim, they need to get some water. So they put a mask on Melanie. They put her on the top of the tank, which bugs, but would be a really pretty drive. <laughs> Yeah, I hope she doesn't get hit by branches, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> that is like when I saw that, I was like, oh, man, I would, wouldn't even like to have filmed this scene because mm. the branches are like pretty close to her face. I'd be like ducking and shit when the bugs get in her eyes and mouth. Too. Oh, I mean, yeah. Ugh. It would have been terrible to even film that scene. But yeah. Yep. It is a cool shot, though. <laughs> yeah. They stop again deeper into the woods near a water source because they are going to have to go on to London, essentially, is what they think. Yeah. Uh, or at least Beacon. Uh, so they put on silencers and they go to get water. But one of the soldiers fires a live round without a silencer, which is loud and attracts zombies. So they end up shooting a, a number of them. Yeah. But the guy who fired off that shot gets bit. And I do love this like, no, 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 I, I just cut myself on a rock. I'm fine. I'm fine. And he just waits yeah, until he, he turns. He literally holds him at gunpoint because they you do turn so fast that like, yeah. you know, it's like 10 seconds. It's sort of like uh, I think World War Z zombies turn really fast, too. And like that's something I heard about that later. movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's more along that branch or whatever. But like he holds him at gunpoint until he starts to change and then he shoots him, which is honestly yeah. sad. Like they probably were friends or at least they knew each other really well because they worked yeah. at the base together for however long that base was running. So, yeah, but he, he's probably his boss. So he like, you know, had, had some good emotional distance there. Yeah. He was like, you've been terminated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Here's your severance. <laughs> as in I'm severancing your head for the rest yeah. of your body. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But as they, they take care of him, they realize that the, a bullet hit the fuel line and so they won't be able to drive. They're going to have to walk to London. And they are close, but they're going to have to walk through zombies. And this is where yeah. we find out that as long as they're quiet, smell is the biggest trigger. So if they're wearing the blocker, 
they can kind of travel between without too many zombies noticing and then shoot ones with a silencer as they need to. Yeah. But so they walk through the city and then into this little kind of building complex and into a courtyard. And it's just literally zombies standing still. So they have to kind of like move their way through them until they see one of them walking through the group pushing a stroller. And the doctor approaches and it looks like, like the baby stirs. A doctor of being an idiot. She explains why in just a second. Yeah. Uh, because she looks at the baby and it's just, uh, unfortunately, the body of a baby and a rat. It's moving. real gross, man. But that's why it was moving. Yeah, right? it was the rat. Oh, the baby was a snitch. Is that what you guys are saying? Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's what I don't like about that scene. Are you guys ready for me to unpack it in a critical sure. mass way? Please. They can smell rats and they eat the rats. Yes. No, only the young ones do. Like, only the second generation does. No, but they, they chase the dog. Oh, that's true. They do chase the dog. So the scene bothered me now watching it this time because I was like, wouldn't they attack the rat? Or Maybe because it was under a blanket that smelled like Dead infected. Baby. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to say it, but yeah. that, yeah. But the doctor gets close enough to see, and then this requires them to shoot a handful of people, but not too many. They don't wake everybody up, but they go inside the building where they can kind of cordon themselves off yeah well and that's and that building has a second story that you have to like rope climb up through yes so you're sort of safe if you're up there right i thought that was really smart yeah and they kind of chain melanie up but they can kind of start exploring that floor but yeah. as they are this is when the doctor basically says like this is the first time i've seen any of them display any nurturing behavior even though that baby's not alive like normally they are driven solely by hunger so the fact that she's pushing the stroller at all is strange but mm -hmm. again just more insight that melanie is probably alive because yeah. this other infected that's displaying even less acuity is alive as well well they have an echo of their normal life or their human right. life i should say you know and yeah. if they are aware enough to even experience and play out an echo of what it used to be. Like there has to be some level of humanity. Yeah. Which is why warm bodies was so good. I love that aspect of warm bodies. But anyway, we see Dr. Caldwell examine her hand and it's going septic. So she's yeah. not doing good. Yeah. She's going to die. But I do think that she, because she thinks she knows that a vaccine will work and that Melanie is the perfect thing to make the vaccine with or whatever. Yeah. That she can still save humanity. Like, I think when she sees the, the stroller, that scene that she is like, okay, there is humanity left in these people. So if a vaccine can work, people still have humanity in them. Right. Right. So, It'll bring those people back. It's not that the whole world is dead. It's that the whole world is sick. I disagree with her, but I think that's what she's thinking. Yeah. So I think that's why she really doubles down here on we have to kill Mel. Well, she doesn't see it that way. We have to create a cure, right? And right. that she's the only person that can do that. Like, I like it because there are no villains in the first person in this movie. Like everyone is doing what they think is the best. Yeah. Everyone yeah, yeah, sees yeah. themselves as the hero and they're playing out those actions. Like the causality of this movie, I enjoy a lot. 
that's a weird way of saying it. But Paige, you've written scripts. You went to film school. You know what I'm saying, though. Yes, everyone has a very, very clear motivation that dictates their actions in a very realistic way. And it's easy for me to understand why they would see themselves as the hero in this movie. I love it. Which, to be honest, when you're dealing with heroes and villains, that's what makes a good villain. Yes. Is when you as the audience can be like, I fucking get it. It's it's one of the reasons why, because I just watched Wakanda forever a couple days ago. And it was really interesting when they brought back Killmonger. And I was like, Killmonger for me is one of those villains where you're just like, oh, I get it, though. Like, I understand. Like, do I agree with his methods? No. Do I understand why he's doing this? Yes. And like, that is so hard to achieve sometimes. But I think this movie does it. I think it, it very much like if you put yourself in everyone's shoes, you may not make the same decision, but you understand that the decisions they're making are options, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I really think that the movies that do it like the best are my favorites. Like the uh, most recent one that I can think of is the Michael Keaton Spider-Man movie. Oh, yeah. Where he plays Vulture. Like he is a hero that goes too far and becomes a villain. Well, that that's the Marvel special is the hero that goes just slightly too far to become a villain. <laughs> where Because it's the same thing in, in Falcon and Winter Soldier where she's just like, I just want people to have food and shelter and they're just like like, oh but you blew up a building though (laughs) the the marvel special is the the villain with good motives that goes too far yeah but you know you see some of that in this movie where you're like is glenn close right no but like if she like if you were her and you were like i could cure everyone why wouldn't i do this like if that's what you believed yeah yeah that's what i mean like she is legit the hero of this movie and of her world. story within this movie. Yes, exactly. Yes. And I get that. Like yeah. that's the way real people react. Yep. Anyway, so as they're moving through, Justino has a gun and is exploring. And while she is, Glenn Close is explaining to Melanie how they found them. Yeah. And basically is like in the early days of infection, we used to send people out on retrieval runs for food and people who were not infected and things like that. Yeah. And they went to a hospital just like this, which we've revealed that this is a maternity hospital. Yeah. And they found a whole essentially wing of mothers who were empty because their children had eaten their way out. Yeah. So like the mothers were dead and they the kids had been infected via the placenta and essentially eaten their host. Yeah. (laughs) As parasites. Mm-hmm, to get out mm-hmm. just like real babies yeah 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 yeah, yeah. steal your youth and everything uh <laughs> but so they and they're they think that all of the mothers were infected by a single incident so they think that it was like one thing infected everybody at the same time that's why they got all these kids that are kind of the same age what we don't know it, it must have happened multiple places and that's how we get the second set of kids but what's really interesting is like how did they grow what like Human babies are defenseless. And so something about that symbiosis had to have helped them grow, I would assume. Yeah, I would assume as well. Or maybe other hungry helped them. But like and and maybe that's the hint of like the nurturing that she saw with the other hungry. Maybe that is a possibility. Although Mikey did it have anything about that in the book? Not that I can remember. I wonder I wonder if they found them as babies and then raised them kind of. Well, that's what they they did with Melanie's group, but it doesn't but not the other group. Yeah, not the wild ones. Yeah. This is Mikey from Har Virgin. I practiced this ad for Factor in my car today. <laughs> can you show us what you practiced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Mikey from Harm Virgin here <laughs> talk about Factor. <laughs> Nailed it. I have used Factor on and off the last couple of years, uh, especially since 2020. My work is very busy. I have a very busy day job. He does. I have a very busy hobby uh-huh. slash second job called podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it's so much work for you. <laughs> Eating healthy is hard. Cooking, I'm single. <laughs> Cooking single is hard. And I've loved Factor. Other people, they ship you ingredients. You have to cook them. It takes a long time. Factor, they ship you fresh, never frozen meals. And it always only takes two minutes, which is like my favorite thing. I never have to think about how long it has to go in the microwave. It's two minutes. That's what my dating profile says. Always two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) It's helped me eat healthier, though. They have a bunch of like dietary options, like low calorie or protein or keto. Is it keto? Keto? Mikey, you said it wrong so many times. I'm not sure if I remember how to say it right. It's keto, right? Keto. No, it's keto. It's keto. But anyway, Factor's amazing. So just head to factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 and use code horrorvirgin50 to get how much percentage off, Mikey? Were you paying attention? 50. Damn. 50% off. Literally half off. That's code horrorvirgin50 at factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 to get 50% off. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Anyway, Melanie is like, I don't want to be a hungry, you know, and, and Glenn Close is like, oh, I mean, you're different than them. Generation two is different. And this is where she kind of puts forth the like, I think it's symbiosis, but like your brain is intertwined. I can't separate them, yeah. essentially. But that might be the key to what we need. So. Meanwhile, Justino finds a guy chained in a straight jacket and shoots him, which means he's been there since like the infection, because how else would he have gotten up there? Yeah. I mean, you would have to assume, yes, he has been there just dormant, right? Yeah. She comes back and can't find food for Melanie, but she'll go out the next day and get some. Meanwhile, they all kind of find some canned food and some booze. And then Melanie reads to Kieran. Yeah. The other soldier, which is very, very sweet. She clearly is like trying to make friends. I think she likes interacting with people. Yeah. She's an extrovert. She's an extrovert. Yeah. And as they're reading, Parker and Justino end up talking where she's like, I'm not a good person. Yeah. I like because in her mind, she's like, I facilitated them killing 13. Like I and however many other kids, we don't know how many. And Parker's just like, you do what you have to do to survive. And she's like, but somewhat you have to be responsible for some morality of something and he's like responsible to who like it's yeah mushrooms out there you know whatever i don't don't know if you've been outside in a while but mushrooms be killing people and shit yeah people be (laughs) shroomed the fuck out like it is bad but so we cut to the next day and there's a ton of hungries in the courtyard and they they have no escape basically and they're just standing there but it's a lot of them to try and get through yeah And so Melanie is like, I'll go through and I'll find a route. So they put her in new clothes. She goes into the courtyard. They don't notice her. She sees a cat, which is very sad because she chases and eats it. Yeah. Which I thought to myself when I saw it in the moment, I was like, well, I guess she doesn't even really know what a cat is. She doesn't. She has that picture of one. And then she stares at that poster of one later. 
And Justin was like, oh, do you want a cat? And she's like, I already had one. <laughs> but I don't think she has any concept of cats as pets. Exactly. Right. I honestly thought when she was looking at the picture of the cat on the woman's shoulder, clearly uh-huh. like it's a pet. She was like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's my bad. Yeah. I thought it was like a cow or a chicken yep. or like, you know, yeah. the other animals that are very much alive, but we still eat and look at as food. Yeah. I, I mean, there's definitely a little bit of a, I, I don't want to say a vegetarian slant, but that idea of like, see, <laughs> look at what you look like, you carnivores. <laughs> She'll eat anything. I mean, I would eat anything at the end of the world. So I know. I mean, yeah. So I know. it's just like. Yeah, I know. It's just one of those dark realities that we just don't talk about. And honestly, most yeah. movies don't address because it is like super dark. You don't want to think about that. Right. But do I hoard pets or am I end of world planning? Think about You're it, prepping. guys. You're a prepper? I mean, Todd, if you want to swing this as a prepper scenario, I'm okay. kind of more on board for how many pets you, you sound have. less weird so like terrible. that, oddly. I technically am one of those people that would rather my pets eat me after I die than me eat them to stay alive. I just want to make sure that I'm dead before McCready starts to eat me because I feel yes. like he's going to be rough with it. Yeah, yeah. I have five cats that all really like to be fed on time. So Mm. do they still dissect cats in high school? No. I did. Really? Well, did you do it in high school or in your post-grad? Oh, no. High school? Never. No. We uh, dissected frogs and something we were told was a gray. Are you guys familiar? (laughs) (laughs) Big eyes. Yeah, really big eyes. I forgot what reptile it was, though, Paige. (laughs) We're very protected from, like, nature and, like, the circle of life. Yes, we are. Like, the food chain and stuff like that. But that shit breaks down fairly quickly, I think, at the end of the world. And then, like... Oh, yeah. It would break down first, Mikey. Like, if we can't go to Kroger or a grocery store to get our food and we immediately become hunter-gatherers again, like, that sets us back thousands of years as far as, like, how we eat. Right. And a lot of us don't have those skills. And I include myself in that. Like I grew up hunting and stuff and I could probably, if I had a gun, could figure it out. But well, I just mean like your cute cat probably would kill a lot of things out there. And yeah. so would our dogs. And like, and that's just how they, and so would we. And that's how the world works. I mean, I don't have faith in my cat skills. I'll say that right now. But what I will say is that if we go back to hunter gatherers, it's actually a better idea to keep the cats and dogs alive because the cats are pest control. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the dogs can help hunt. Well, and that's how we developed those relationships. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying don't eat the cats. They're useful. Yeah, or dogs. Also, you may have to kill your neighbors because your neighbors might be zombies. Sorry about that. But then you get your neighbors' resources. It's sort of a win-win. Well, they're resources. Don't eat their meat. It's infected. No, but, don't. You know. Yeah. You have to kill them before they're infected if you want to eat their meat. What? No, Mikey, we are not solving the overpopulation crisis after a zombie outbreak. So there's no need for cannibalism. It would not be about the you'd have their supplies and their meat. Mikey is going to go full on post-apocalyptic raider the second (laughs) anything bad happens. Anyway, she eats a cat. It makes me sad. But she didn't know better. It was okay. Yeah, I didn't like it. Oh, I think she would have ate it if she knew. I mean, like, she barely yeah, has control of her instincts. I mean, that that's just, that's what kind of makes me sad about the, like, whole new generation of kids because they don't have really any people left to eat. So they're just going to eat the shit out of cats and dogs. Well, I mean, we can blame the cat because it's living in a city of zombies. And it, like, most animals, I bet, would have, like, ventured out of there. Yeah, at what 
point does the cat have personal responsibility in bettering its own position in life, Paige? Like, come the on, cat. The cat should pull itself up by its cat straps. By its paw straps. Hey, the animals <laughs> that make it are the more adaptable. That's all I'm saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, if there's a zombie outbreak and we're killing animals, like, you see the last, like, you know, the animals in the forest are like, oh, yeah, sucks for them city cats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that's me in Horizon Zero Dawn where it's just like, oh, I don't need more boar meat. Oh, too bad. I just shot four more for fun. Cause she was bored. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> she starts she finds a couple houses and goes through the houses and she's calling into them and saying, like, transit you abortions, because that's all she's ever heard instead of hello, which yeah. is dark. Well, I mean, but she thought that was more or less good morning. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't find any people or anything, but finds a dog. And at first I was like, oh, God, she's going to eat that dog. When she picked that dog up, I was like, oh, my God, is she going to eat the dog? And then as she's carrying it back, I was like, wait, are they trying to say it's okay to eat cats, but we're going to save this dog? Jake walked up behind me. He was like, oh, I guess the screenwriter loves dogs, hates (laughs) cats. But then she she uses the dog as bait. And I was like, oh, never mind. (laughs) Yeah, there's like 10 to 1 that dog survives. Like, it probably got eaten by zombies. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But so she shows back up at at their little, like, base in that building and is like, I'm not hungry now. There's a clear path. I'll put the mask back on. Let's go. Yeah. So they go. She finds a clear route. And they get to another building where looking up over the top, they see that there's a whole bunch more hungry. So they send her out again. She comes back. Yeah. Uh, this time they give her the radio. But once they've cleared a path, they start walking through and they see that essentially the mushrooms have taken over and are like growing out of people's eyes and shit. Not making me optimistic for Last of Us season two. I'm sure there's going right? to be a lot of this kind of shit. I know. And it's so gross. Like, I really <sighs> hated it. Paige. <sighs> <laughs> it was it was a lot but i think it's cool the way they explain it like right so like the late stage evolution of this zombie virus is that like you come together and create like forests i mean we see one like go up yeah. over a, and around a building like vines the liberals dream <laughs> that we come together and create forests how else are we going to save the planet <laughs> if not through group forestry if you hold your hands hard enough maybe we'll grow new trees out of ourselves okay <laughs> let's try it that actually happens in this movie, Mikey. Yeah, that's what they did. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, Fahu forest around <laughs> that tower. But what they also find are these giant seed pods. Yeah. And this is where Glenn Close is like, if this goes off, it becomes airborne. I called them grenade corns in my Grenade corns? Because they look like almost grenades, but also like acorns. In my notes, yeah. I called it plant sperm. It is plant sperm. You're right. I mean, they're seeds. I so, mean, this, yeah. she does say that this is the mature sexual stage. And mm-hmm. I was like, Glenn Close still dropping hints. She's like, just like me, a lady, gentleman, sorry, or gentle, whatever she wants, whatever she fancies. Good for her. But we all should say Glenn Close does establish that like the these pods suck. The sperm is bad. Yeah. Yeah. The outside shell is like too hard to break or something like that. Yes. Just like a woman. Finally, you get so hard and they complain about it, you know? Oh, my God. It's hard to make jokes about this movie. Just like walk <laughs> with us on this journey. <laughs> but we we learned from Glenn Close that like fire could open it and like water could open it. So like it's not that the world is safe from the airborne yeah. pathogen. It's that it's going to happen. It just needs something to set it off. 
Yeah, and and I think in her mind, this translates to, I've got to get that vaccine ready before that happens. Yes, I think this is another like instance of her ramping up her desire to kill Melanie. Right. And I guess put her in a blender and then drink that, and that's the vaccine. Like, I don't know why she has to die for Glenn Close to make a vaccine. Uh, because vaccines are the bloods of babies. Where have you guys been Adrenochrome the last two years? Todd. Stem cell microchips. <sighs> I would not be shocked if Q got the idea for that from this movie although that's been around since the satanic panic so he just copied and pasted that yeah you gotta take like a capri sun straw into Mm -hmm. just the back of the Mm -hmm. neck of an innocent child and just like and then and it's hard to find an innocent child nowadays because the tiktoks you need to be cover your children's eyes with tactical blindfolds. Get them from me. Save them from Chinese balloons and TikTok. I do love that Alex Jones has made his millions largely off just being a really shitty vitamin salesman. He's the worst Billy Mays. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, as they're walking, Melanie says to Glenn Close, you smell sick. Like, I can tell that you're sick. Yeah. And I know that you picked up one of the seed pods. So as they walk through a park, they find a mobile lab that is quarantined. And so they make their way inside and the crew that was there is missing. Yeah. They're not there, though. And they are pretty much out of, like, supplies. So I think what happened in my mind is they ran out of supplies and had to venture out into the city and got killed by the zombies there. Yeah, well, and they do say, they they leave behind a picture that says mushroom hunters do it in the dark. Yes. Which I think meant that they were going out at night. Anyway, they can't find any supplies, so Kieran is going to go out to find food. Yeah. And Melanie is clearly hungry and isn't doing well. So she needs to go out and find food. And I thought for sure she was going to kill Kieran. And it me was going to make me so sad. I thought that they had sort of planned that because Kieran was like, hey, I'll go get food. And they were like, cool. And then Melanie was like, hey, I need to go get food. And they were like, you mean you being the person who eats people? Cool. Well, we just let Kieran go out. So you probably got like a three minute head start, but you yeah, probably go ahead. chase him down <laughs> real easy. But she really likes him. She does. And we see her reading to him earlier in the movie. But I mean, at this point, we saw her eat a cat. I was like, man, I mean, she might go and eat Kieran. I have no idea. Well, instead, she does one of the most badass things ever. She climbs up a building and eats a fucking pigeon. And I'm telling you, I want to see her snatch a pigeon out of the air. That sounds great. Oh, so when she does this, it's badass. But if I try to do it, it's crazy. (laughs) No, Mikey, I'm telling you right now, if I'm ever with you and you snatch a pigeon out of the air and take a bite out of it, I will high five you. Challenge accepted. I mean, you're definitely going to get some sort of flu. <laughs> and it's a day later, I'll be like, Todd's really sick again. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> I swear to God, if you eat a pigeon and give me bird flu, I'm going to be fucking furious. But I mean, it, I would watch Mikey snatch it, take a bite, and I'd be like, okay, we're going to the hospital now. Like right <laughs> yeah. away. Oh, yeah. I would just be like, Paige, I think this pigeon's too far gone for the vet to save it. <laughs> <laughs> that just reminds me of Alone when that guy finally caught a bird when it was full of worms and he's like, guess I'm going to eat it. I was like, no. Fuck, I want another season of that. Uh, dude, Alone is a great, great, terrible show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I got you two to watch it after I was like, so I'm watching this show about people just living by themselves, trying to build things, but like they talk to the camera all day, and it's just very interesting. Mikey is the worst at describing TV shows, by the way. <laughs> what he just described there is a reality contest show where you go into the wilderness and try to survive. Yeah. That's one sentence. <laughs> 
I like that we only convince each other to watch the worst shows. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's always like too hot to handle or alone or shit like yeah, that. Yeah. But then I try to get you to watch Fleabag and it takes months. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But Fleabag is probably my favorite TV show ever. Okay, but that's why you got to listen to my other TV show recommendations that are not reality shows. I know, but it's like you have to pay attention, <laughs> which is like such a struggle for yeah, me. I know, but it's like good TV. Oh, I know. I, I like Fleabag. Anyway. They get the engine running. She snatches a pigeon out of the air. Kieran <laughs> is wandering, looking for food, and we see that there's a hungry watching them. So Mich- Melanie finds a bookstore and finds a bunch of children hungries, and they're kind of like her, but they're like non. They're like they're feral. They're like nonverbal. They're, they're feral. Yeah. It says nonverbal, but they are verbal. It's just not words, you know, or whatever. Yeah, they speak through like a series of grunts. Like to me, it did feel yeah. like. They were restarting cavemen. Yes. Proto men. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, my favorite is when one of them raises up a bloody baseball bat and is like, yeah. And I was like, warriors, <laughs> come out and play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's she's like, oh no, I have to warn them. Cut to the lab where Glenn Close is sick. And she's basically like, hey, everyone, I'm fucking dying of sepsis. But if you (laughs) let me have her brain, I can synthesize a vaccine in time. And I'm like, bullshit. Right. You're going to die of sepsis first. Definitely going to die of sepsis quicker. Um, But she's like, she won't feel it. And I do like that. Justin was like, that's more for you than for her. Yeah. Anyway. Melanie bursts in and she's just like, there's a bunch of feral kids just like me. They're going to hunt Kieran down. We got to do something about it. We got to go save Kieran. Yeah. And just as that's happening, we do get a radio communication from Beacon that's like, we're overrun. We're on the run too. Where are you guys? Yeah. This is Beacon. We are bacon over. (laughs) (laughs) They Essentially, they are not going to be any help. This crew is on their own is essentially what we're finding out. Meanwhile, Kieran finds a can and then a thing of ramen and then another can. And I was like, oh, my God, it's breadcrumbs. Like they set it a is. trap like it 100 percent is breadcrumbs. Yeah. Yeah. They're smart. Uh, so he climbs. He like takes off his belt, sets everything down and climbs into what turns out to be like a convenience store. And he gets a couple cans. He's eating a couple things. And he like looks at the porn selection, which like, dude, it's the end of the world. You can't blame a dude. Like, yeah, I, you got to make do. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And meanwhile, Melanie has caught his scent and is trying to figure out where he's ended up. Yeah. She's like Sherlock hounding her way to him. Yeah. He has a magazine <laughs> that says cheap wank lines, which I know is a British thing. But in America, that just always sounds funny to me. Oh, yeah. Wanking. Yeah, I don't think we call it wank here, right? We we don't. They do. Yeah, in, they in the do. UK, it's- do you know what winking and wanking have in common? I can't wait. Just one eye. <laughs> These are all off the top of my head. Holy shit, Mikey. I don't know how to say this other than... No, Todd, don't. I think you have a gift. Like, you <laughs> are <laughs> so good at making up terrible pun jokes. <laughs> I really do think The Last of Us needs to hire you for season two Mm -hmm. as a punch-up guy just for the joke book. If that continues on. I honestly... I haven't played the game, so I don't know how the story goes. Hey, guys. Look, I got two pitches. One, more devastatingly sad gay relationships. Two... More dick jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. More dick puns, specifically. Both <laughs> eyes have tears. Anyway, uh, he turns and he sees a little girl offering. She appears to be offering him a rat to eat. Yes. This is where I think he fucks up. Because I've been like, well, that's obviously an infected thing or yep. not a person. And I am not following you. And where is my gun? But he yeah. has been conditioned by Melanie that kids that look like Melanie 
are not bad. She doesn't look infected. Yeah, they don't look infected. They don't have moss on their face. They look like regular. Yes. I mean, they do look feral, but well, I'm not following some Lord of the Flies looking child anywhere. Not here, not now, sure, not tomorrow. I probably wouldn't follow her either, and I would be very scared, but I probably wouldn't shoot her because I see her as a I'm human. I'm not saying shoot her. I just wouldn't follow her unless yes, it was absolutely same. necessary, and then I would shoot her. Yeah, if they started to run at me and attack me because I wasn't following them, I would would shoot them too i'm just saying be mindful of feral children you know Here, yes she is feral she is dangerous absolutely yes. but she's also kind of tiny and cute yes absolutely <laughs> like, hey, was, that's just the like, evolutionary I would die. process to I would lure die. you in <laughs> you know it's one of those things where sometimes you see in a horror movie where you're like well that's where i would die here's where i would die because i'd be like yeah oh is there a rat and she's just kind of like Allah. <laughs> and I'm just like, could I teach her English and have a tiny little warrior baby? Like, you know, yeah. This is where I die in this movie. <laughs> I do think, Paige, you die here or you just end up teaching the kids grammar in uh, your jail cell. Uh, oh, yeah. Or I, I jail wanna... cell slash zoo. <laughs> yeah, I become the Fagin of like the artful Dodgers yeah. that, that these children <laughs> become. <laughs> Except you're not having them pick pockets, you're having them pick cabinets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You've got to pick a cabinet or two. <laughs> so, anyway, he kind of follows her and meanwhile other kids that are hiding slice his legs and he threatens to blow up a grenade but he doesn't they're all over him they eat him alive right yeah as soon as that happens melanie and the others find his belt they go to crawl into the store they find his body and she's like it was a trap this is a trap yeah i love that reveal yes. yeah and so she backs out and they're surrounded by little mad max feral children who like admittedly some of them are very cute. Yeah. That's how they get you. They seem cute, but then they trap you for 18 years. They honestly just seem like kids who have gone unwashed for three years. Yeah. You know, yeah, their yeah. hair is matted and like. They looked like the Lost Boys. Yes. Like Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. Yeah. Those kids aren't good either. Don't follow the Lost Boys. All we're saying, Mikey, is if the main kid with the bat was named Rufio, it would be dangerously close to a childhood movie I loved. Same. Rufio. Rufio. Yeah. Looky, oh. looky, I got hooky. Yep. What Rufio line do you know, Mikey? <laughs> He's doing it. <laughs> That's pockets. That's, That's pockets. <laughs> One of the cutest lost boys to ever walk the earth. Fucking love now, pockets. I would say, objectively, I'd probably rather be a pirate hunting children for the rest of eternity. Uh, that does seem on brand for you. <laughs> then yeah. what? Hang on. Then what he currently Then is? currently what you're doing? Like, are you telling us, you're, are you announcing your retirement from the podcast? I'm just saying if I had to go to Never Never Land, the pirate village looked cool. I don't want to live in a tree and eat invisible food. But it was mostly frosting. I'd rather live in the place that has actual food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't love pirate aesthetic. I don't look good in a blouse, but like I'm going to be where the food is. <laughs> if Pockets came up and touched my face and was like, there you are, Paige, I would just start <laughs> sobbing uncontrollably. I cried during that part, part as a child. Yeah, but if Pockets rolled at me like a bowling ball, Paige, oh. I'd shoot him with a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> That's also why I haven't watched Hook since Robin Williams died. I was like, I'm going to be a either. fucking mess. Oh, that would be rough. I haven't Same. either. Oh, my God. It's going to be Paige. such a mess. Anyway, so now 
Rufio, Rufio, kids in a circle. Right. And she starts trying to kind of non-verbally communicate with them to just kind of like, hey, growl, no, aggressive. Yeah, it's all body language, more or less, right? Like, yeah. Because th- that's all they know. Well, and yeah, she ends up bodying that one kid, and yeah. now she has the bat. Well, and by bodying, you mean knocking to the ground and beating to death that child <laughs> yes, with a bat? That's exactly what that I is meant. what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Body, yaddy, 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 yaddying that child. Yeah, she kills. <laughs> Kills that child and then becomes, I guess, the alpha, if that's a She's thing. the Rufio now. Yeah. She- <laughs> there I am, Peter. Um- <laughs> but yeah, like she becomes, I think, the de facto leader of the zombie 2.0 group, yeah. at least. What I did like is the kid that she kills had a bunch of pigeon skulls in his hair. Oh, really? And I was like, oh, that kid be snatching birds like a motherfucker. Yeah. I didn't realize it, but you've really got a snatching birds fetish, Paige. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I think it's so funny. Paige hates Maybe it's because the birds aren't real. I think it's. Be- I was about to bring <laughs> that up, Paige. I think for me, the reason I love seeing it is because I also love when security drones that the U.S. government puts out. I love when they yeah. get destroyed. It's great. Okay, guys, you convinced me. I'm gonna order wings. That actually sounds pretty good. I just need a wing stop to move where I live. I don't even live that far away from like downtown Nashville. Well, maybe maybe if people where you lived ordered more than five at a time, a wing place could open there. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't have a crazy appetite. Todd's like, you know, my favorite part about ordering wings is eating all the celery sticks that come with this. And then you have the meaty leftovers. You're such a skinny bitch. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so that she killed the head bird snatcher and now she's Chief Rufio. Yes. And this gives them time to escape. I did think it was funny, like at the end of that scene when they're like walking away, all the little kids go over and check on the former alpha guy that has. They his, eat him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Todd, yeah. they eat him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they definitely go eat him up, which actually makes me sad because that means. They'll eat each other? So you're saying they're carbon neutral. Would it make you sad if they played (laughs) The Lion King's The Circle of Life over that scene? Uh, No, I guess not. And I guess, like, cavemen probably ate each other, too. So, like... I'm not an expert on this. I've read stuff, but I'm trying to remember. I think we like buried people learn very quickly not to eat their own dead and bury and they started burying them because they would get sick. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we would started burying people or burning yeah. people. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so they get back to the lab and Glenn Close has pulled all the air out and she's wearing the respirator. So it causes all of them to pass out. And then she cycles the air, pulls the respirator off and she's going to try and operate on Melanie. Yeah. But her hand is fucked up. Up. Yeah. And Melanie, of course, wakes up pretty quickly because anesthesia and everything doesn't work on her. Yeah. It works, but not like it works on humans. Like, right. It's like her body metabolizes it like 10 times faster than humans or something like that. Right. Because it does knock her out, but it's yeah. like she wakes up a minute later instead of an yeah. hour later. Right. Well, and this is where she and Glenn Close have this conversation of Glenn Close being like, don't you want to save your friends? This is the only way to save your friends. If you don't, they will die. Yeah. And it's this sudden realization of like, why do I have to die so you can live? Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of us out there. Like, do we not also deserve to live, essentially? Because at this point, Glenn Close admits she is alive. You've always been alive, you know? Well, she has. Yeah. Yeah. And she says to her, stay here. You'll be safe. Because she's going to go out. And at first, I thought she was going to get the body of that kid and bring it back and be like, 
brain mm. and stem try it you yeah know, use this brain it's a little damaged because i hit it a bunch sorry <laughs> you might have to pick some pigeon skulls out of it. <laughs> um, uh, but instead what she does is that she goes towards the forest the all the spores yeah of course glenn close comes out after her which she shouldn't have done no she dies because she's an idiot yeah well and she gets immediately eaten by the kids yeah and melanie burns the tower and all the seed pods pop and as she comes back to the lab she sees parker is out and is dying because yeah. of the seed pods and she's like why are you out? You were supposed to be, you were supposed to stay put. She was supposed to stay put. And he basically is like, here's the gun. I don't want to be like them, please. And we find out that he was trying to find his pregnant wife at one point, which made me wonder yeah. if one of the kids was his, which is fucked up. Damn, I wonder if she was his kid. I mean, we you, you never know. know. Maybe yeah, she like, was. I mean, if that's the case, he was super cruel to her. Oh, and that's yeah, terrible. I mean, yeah. But maybe that was a reflection of like, you know, you're not grief. human, complicated grief. Yeah. Um, but it made me wonder if one of the kids was his. But we never we don't know for sure. But then when she's I like the scene where she's walking back and in the background, the towers on fire. And you see all the spores. Yeah, it's a great shot. Finishing yeah. on the face of the globe. Oh my Gross. god! Oh my god! <laughs> she shoots him, uh, and Justin watches from inside the lab, and Melanie's outside, so she has saved her from it. Yeah, kind of like her story. Yeah, just like her story from earlier. The scene with Sergeant Parks asking to be killed is like sort of a sweet moment between him and Melanie because Melanie didn't have yeah. to do that. When he turns, he's not going to be a problem for her. Yeah. You know, so she still, quote unquote, survives at well, either way. She does this as a kindness to him. And it's sort of sweet. I think he sees it that way, too. Mm-hmm. Unlike the doctor, I think he's a more pragmatist like yeah. person where he's like realizes what's happening and he just kind of accepts things as he goes. Like, I, I like the scene where he was like, people were like, oh, you must have seen a lot of shit before this all happened. He's like, I never fought a goose before all this went down. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I really like his character because he really, I think, is protective of Melanie the whole time. Yeah. But it's largely out of fear of her and the need to like want to like save the world or whatever. And then when it becomes clear that that's not necessarily a thing here at the end, he still makes choices that protect the family unit that kind of comes out of the base attack. Yeah. So like it really sort of from that point on, like humanizes him more. Mm-hmm. So, cause he was sort of a like terrible person at the beginning of the movie. Right. In the yeah. book, they do it a couple of scenes here, but in the book they bond more because she and him like really can like, fuck some shit up together when I'm they sure. work together. Yeah. And so like they, they do kind of develop this like father daughter kind of bond. Yeah. Mm. They don't really get into all of that in the movie. I wish they had had time and actually done yeah. that because that would have been great. But I really like the, the evolution of his character in those final scenes. Well, not like a warm and fuzzy dad, but like if your dad took you hunting and you like killed animals together, more like yeah. that. I think, mm. and this is an assumption because I don't know the story of Last of Us, but I'd imagine it's, it's like the a relationship that's going to form between Ellie and Joel, right? Like, yeah, I don't know that, so I may very well be wrong, but that's just what mm-hmm. it seems like they're setting up at least. Yeah, definitely. I think that this guy, this sergeant, also lost an infant, you know, mm-hmm. or his wife that was pregnant. So, like, I think that there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah, but we come back to the lab. Justin O is inside. Yeah. And we cut to... 
sometime later. We don't know how long. I assumed it was like a month later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she is in essentially a glass prison, but teaches all of the children. And I did like the mix of the kids who were in her class before yeah. in the little red jumpsuits <laughs> and the mix of the feral children uh, because it's it's kind of funny. They kind of like get each other to calm down and it's actually kind of cute. But it's basically this this implication of like, this is the new generation of who's going to take over. Yeah. And that's the movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about the girl with all the gifts? It's a really good movie. Yeah. It's hard to make a funny podcast about it. <laughs> I don't know. I think you did a good job. I really enjoyed this movie. This to me wasn't scarier than a Last of Us episode, which is to say it's not not scary. Like this is not a one on the scary scale for me, but it is low. Like it's a manageable level of scary. And there's so much, I think, compelling story and like metaphor baked into it. I really enjoyed watching this movie. I definitely watch it again. Like it's if you can watch The Last of Us, you can watch this. No problem. I love zombie movies. So I love the book. And yeah. This is around the same time I watched. The, I like read like Warm Bodies and this and like watch all those. I was like, oh, I love zombie stuff. Anyway, Paige, you have any fun facts for us? I do. Well, hit us with your fun facts. Zombie fun, fun facts. Um, so uh, let's dig into it first. So one key difference from the book to the movie yeah. is that uh, Helen Justineau, uh in the book was a dark-skinned black woman in her 40s. Um, Interesting. And there's a lot of fascination from Melanie around the beauty of the color of her skin, which I think is also very, very interesting. Melanie in the book is blonde with blue eyes. Okay. I thought that was an interesting switch. I'm not sure why they made that switch. So they like they like reversed the they races of interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um but the, there are a number of quotes around Melanie kind of fixating on what she perceives as just the absolute beauty of Justin O compared to everyone else around her. Cause a lot of the other people around her are white. Um, so that's actually kind okay. of interesting. I'm ki a little disappointed that doesn't end up in the movie. She does have some of the sections in her, her story about her being beautiful, but I think it is a little bit more interesting to have her stand out from the people around her and for Melanie to perceive that as beautiful. And also for Melanie to have a concept of beauty, I think is very interesting as well. So I think that's kind of a missed opportunity here. But in the book, that is the case. I think cool. the reason they did that was so that they could then play on the race elements at the end. Yeah. Where it is a black child telling a white boomer that, no, we're going to survive without you if that's your choice. Yeah. Yeah. But I actually really do like something that you said there, like the concept that even Melanie can conceptualize what beauty is. Yeah. Immediately humanizes her, right? So like yes, I, of course. that is a missed opportunity on some level, which you could do and still leave the character as like the same actress who played her in the movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just thought that was really interesting. It is. Yeah. Um and, and it is a, a a very interesting kind of aspect of the book. The guy who wrote the book actually does have a cameo as one of the zombies, um, which is kind of fun. That's awesome. I, that's what I would want to do. Like if I wrote something and it got made into something, kill me in it, please. Like that would be great. Yeah. Or if any movie wants to kill me and will pay for me to come shoot, I will, I will yeah. go, please kill me in a movie. That'd be great. Chop my head off. Yeah. Let my body hit the floor. <laughs> uh, so this movie did not have a ton of, 
Uh, it doesn't have a huge budget. Yeah. So some of the big sprawling scenes of what looks like a broken down urban London, which is very hard and very expensive to get, is actually filmed in the ghost town of Pripyat near Chernobyl in Ukraine. And that's how they were Fuck. able to make it look abandoned. That makes so much sense. Because it, it really absolutely. Cool. Okay. So now that you said that, like thinking back on that dystopian look, yeah. I bet they wouldn't have had to do a whole lot except probably change signage, really. Yes. Because everything else was so overgrown. And I was like, man, how did they do this in London? They didn't. Okay. Yeah, there that you makes go. perfect sense. As, as opposed Fuck, to that's like Last of Us of doing it. that's been like filming on location in like Boston and Kansas City and right? shit and had to do like huge updates. Yeah. So in addition to the writer of the book being one of the Hungries, uh, Glenn Close's sister-in-law, who's a huge zombie fan, is also one of the Hungries as well. That's awesome. And they made it so that as she walks past Glenn Close in a scene, they stare at each other, which is kind of interesting. That's kind of fun. But (laughs) so there have been many comparisons made between this and Last of Us because of the the same from the plague and the, the same fungal plague and the smell and sound senses and the father figure and daughter figure although that's more in the book um so that did not go unnoticed especially because last of us came out kind of around the same time like the original like the first version of it yeah a lot of scenes were shot in birmingham to have birmingham stand in for london as well which is one of the largest cities in the uk so it's still a pretty big undertaking but given the expenses they still had to go film in chernobyl as well very cool you probably know this but there is a real life fungus that both this and last of us are based on it's a zombie fungus that infects carpenter ants Uh, where they undergo severe whole body convulsions and then the fungus starts controlling their brain in late stages of the function in late stages of the fungus it prompts them to climb up a tree and then grow a long stalk out of their head what and then open pods to make the fungus airborne allowing it to infect many more hosts okay yes but the ant zombie fungus but also protects the host from environmental pathogens. So same kind of thing with Melanie symbiote. So like she doesn't react to anesthesia or other things as much because the symbiote is actually metabolizing faster for her. Yeah. Um, and that is similar to this ant fungus, which is also the one that Last of Us is based on. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. So let's talk a little bit about box office. So what do you think the production budget was for this movie in 2016 when it came out? And I will say I don't have it in dollars. Give it to me in pounds, baby. Taking it to pound town, I'm going to say this is like 5 million pounds. Okay. What do you think, Mikey? 8 million pounds. All right, Paige, you are closer. It was around 4 million pounds is what I found. And it literally said around 4 million pounds. Like that was the figure I was given. I'm not like working off a lower figure and rounding up. But that was in 2016. So if you adjust for inflation, that's 4.8 million pounds today. And if you convert that to dollars, that's roughly $5.8 million today. Now, I don't have any actual box office information except for totals internationally, which is its domestic run because this is a UK movie. Um, So what do you think this movie made in the box office in, I'll go ahead and say worldwide because it didn't get a US release, but it did get released in like seven countries. I'm going to say eight million pounds. Okay. Six. 
Okay, Mikey, you're closer. This got to $4.8 million internationally. So I, I don't think it made money, unfortunately, which is sad. I think over time it's made money because, of course, you've got, well, and it does have an almost million dollars in domestic DVD and Blu-ray sales. But, I mean, the streaming services pay to stream it. So, like, they're, I'm sure it's making money, but it didn't make money off of its theatrical run and the majority of it did come from the united kingdom but other notable standouts was this movie did pretty well in france and russia hmm, interesting. so yeah um anyway so that is your box office so mike do you want to hit him with that scary scale Hmm, yes, our Scary Scale listeners, a scale of 1 to 10 on how scary found the film today. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige! Oh, this is a 1 for me. I didn't find this very scary. I just liked it. Todd. I'm going to give it a 2, because it's not very scary. There are a few tense moments, and the baby rats thing kind of grossed me out in a way I was uncomfortable with. Mm. All right, I'm going to give it a 1, because I'd seen it a few times. Cool. And um, I think when I first saw it, it would probably be a 3. But Okay, that's fair. And that's our scary scale. Yeah, so this week you all made us watch The Girl with All the Gifts. What are you all making us watch next week? It's listener request next week. Hey, listeners, it's Todd breaking in just because when we initially recorded this episode, we didn't know what would win the February listener requests. Tales from the Hood, Gothica, Bones, and Blade were the final four movies, and it was a pretty close between Tales from the Hood, Gothica, and Blade, but Blade eked it out at the end. So next week, your homework is to watch Wesley Snipes be amazing in Blade. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? I'm looking one up currently. Well, while you're looking one up, let me tell them how they can have their review on the podcast, and that is to leave us a five-star text review, and we'll have Mikey read it for you. So, Mikey, whose review were you going to read this week? Curls. Great. Nailed 100%. It. That's how you say it. Let's go. Title of the review, How Dare You Not Make an Episode Every Day. Well, also, that sounds awful. That does sound awful. Oh, I love God. you guys, but not that much. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of work. That's like 30 hours of work a yeah. day. Yeah. I would listen to these three talk about complete nonsense for hours on end. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> oh, okay. That feels very complimentary and then almost hurtful at the end. Okay. <laughs> this is my all-time favorite podcast. Oh, wow. wow. Thank you. I pray. Wow. I found Horror Virgin and RTP through Paige's Cult Podcast. Many do. Many I love them all, but this quickly became my number one. Wow, that's very kind. Armando was very pissed to hear that. <laughs> he had a Twitter poll last night about do you prefer rice or no rice in a burrito? And I was like, it depends on the rice. I said no rice. And he was he's very much a no rice person. So I felt like I was like, my boy. Yeah, that's what happens to me whenever someone's like a water first pill taker. I'm like, oh, you're in the family. Oh, Although also I'd go either way. Like I could get down on some ricey burritos. Believe that you would. <laughs> I meant specifically about, you know what? Fine. Yeah, Just, I did too about rice. Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it became my number one. I listen in the car while I'm at work and even <laughs> when I'm falling asleep. <laughs> Not many people in my life enjoy scary movies. So having Mikey, Paige, and Todd to hyperanalyze them with me really feels the void. Awesome. The only negative is that I have to wait a week between episodes. I adore you. Heart emoji, five stars. Well, Cruels, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. Mikey, I was just trying to say their name exactly like you said their name. Anyway, the review segment is over. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so guys, <laughs> if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the mm-hmm. regular feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me but not Todd just look me up on Venmo if you can't financially support the show that's understandable that's fine but if you want to hang out with us on the daily join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin we also link it like once a week so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group literally we're in there talking every day it's awesome and guys we got a P.O. box so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box it's actually not a P.O. box it's like a regular street address it's pretty awesome it's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. And if you haven't noticed, since October 1st, we have been running the new Horror Virgin blog. And when I say we, I really mean Katie from the Facebook group. She's been running everything. She's like the managing editor of the Horror Virgin blog. So if you haven't been to our Horror Virgin blog, go check it out. It's at horrorvirgin.com slash blog. You'll see it. It's awesome. There's a lot of great articles. I mean, at the end of October, we have 31 awesome articles up and they will continue after October, not on a daily schedule though. That's just too much for Katie to handle, but check out our awesome Horror Virgin blog up now. This episode was brought to you by Tia and Tia has a teenager that's just driving her crazy. So how is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? Well, she keeps taking shrooms. She's shroomed out all the time. That is not great. She takes a bunch of shrooms, eats a bunch of pigeons. It's a a parent's worst (laughs) nightmare. (laughs) Well, T, I'm very sorry you're having to deal with that. Uh, This episode also brought to you by Jonathan, and Jonathan wants me to make you guys watch some videos, so I have another one of his videos uh, right now. All right, let me share my screen. This is from someone named Jordan the Stallion. Ooh. Megan's brother. Wait, is this another? Oh, that's a spider video. Oh, God. Oh, Oh, God. What was that? Okay. So this is like an informational video that spiders like stay in drains. There are so many spiders in that drain. That is so freaky. Oh, God. Oh, Oh, my God. God. I hate it. That is terrible. All right. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for uh, that. And dude, lulling us into a false sense of security with no spider videos and then sending a spider video is like a power like the worst a, a spider power video move. yeah that was great so jonathan thank you so much for the uh shock the thrill and the support but we now return you to another episode of the, the patrioticals welcome back i feel welcome thank you i was talking to the other people oh my bad i thought Maybe because you were looking at me, you were talking to me. Apologies. Okay. <laughs> so they arrived at the Karoon's home planet. What? We just yada, yada, yadded 
to the home planet? Yes. yes. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens. They land the donut Santa Maria right on the planet. Okay. The Shining Donuts like, I got this. I'm going to. Yeah, he's from there. He's it's kind of like skydiving. He's not from there. Okay, first off. You said it was his home planet. Karoon's home planet. Why don't you pay attention to this show? I thought you just said Karoon was like, I got this. Shining Donut. I said Shining Donut. Sorry. that's I just misheard you. Sorry. Okay. They don't sound the same. <laughs> Mikey, they all sound like you. I honestly don't know. They are. He's adjusting his donut size and like skydiving down. Okay. They gently land with the help of. <laughs> all I'm seeing is a donut falling, but the parachute coming out of the, the center hole. <laughs> yeah. And they're all just sitting around the edge of the donut <laughs> itself. And that's how they parachute out of it. Well, the Santa Maria is also attached to that somehow. So wow. Okay. Uh, Scott, the thing he comes down as an anchor to like weigh them down. That makes like, sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Kate kind of helps them with her psychic powers land good, and then um, Paige. The biggest thing I've ever heard <laughs> pilots talk about is make sure after you take off. The most important part is that you land good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's usually like the taking off and then like fuck the rest of the part where you're in the fucking sky and right. God can just slap you to the right. ground. And then it's the landing that you pay attention to. Yeah. Yes. Not the part where you're defying God's law. Part right. of the part that I yada yada <laughs> is they disabled Anthony and Sophia's and Jennifer with the PH's other ship that was chasing them and took them prisoner. So they land, they knock those people off first, and they get out. And Natasha says, Look, Karun. It's a look around at our planet. There's, and then he's like, what about my kids? And she's like, that was a Back to the Future joke. It's not about your kids. <laughs> he was like, thank God, because I don't think I have kids. I was very worried. Our planet has been invaded. <gasps> what? And all around them, there's mun people with big, long fingers, and they're attacking all of the blue people. Whoa. And then that's when they turn to <laughs> Danielle. Oh, yeah. She's the queen of the muns. That's right. Yeah. She's like, I'm actually not the queen of all muns. Oh. <laughs> we are an intergalactic oh, so. empire. Okay. And I was queen of that place. We conquer all species. Okay. So they are like a parasitic slash. I don't understand. I don't understand either. Watch. So they're like a parasitic <laughs> virus species that like go out and like take over other species. They're not parasitic. They're just like the empire. But okay. I guess my question is, do they look humanoid because. No, they're grays. Oh, oh, okay, 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 okay. I didn't realize they were grays. Okay. They have been grays for like a year and a half. It's fine. Whatever. Okay. So Karun is like, my family, are they alive? And then uh, Natasha was like, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to rip that Band-Aid off immediately so we Uh don't go down like a really sad few episodes. So no, they're all dead. Yeah. Garotica starts swinging her axe at um, Libby, uh, one of the Mun generals. And she's like, you tricked us. We Blah, blah, blah. And they're they're fighting. And uh, Captain Bruder's like, we can't take off again for a while so we're like stuck we gotta like make it work or whatever and they're like oh god we gotta figure it out yeah so Wolfric takes off starts killing Mun- like the Muns are showing like Karun's people are also fighting but a large group of greys has attacked them so the werewolf Wolfric he just starts tearing some people up and um, Vance the serial killer like slowly dissects one like like the autopsy video and he's like really into it you know oh I don't love that fact I don't love that he's, at all. He's like holding the organs and he's like, oh, because he's a serial killer and all. Yeah, it's fine. I get, yeah, I see where you're, I, I know what you're doing. I just don't love it. Yeah. 
Amy, the astronaut's like, I'll work on repairing the ship to get it back. We can so we can leave. What are we gonna do? And and uh, uh, Mr. Ragebomb, he fires out of a cannon of the Santa Maria, lands in a group of muns, and blows up and kills a bunch of people. And then uh, <laughs> Lauren, does the best. cave person, is hitting grays with the with the club but there's just so many of them because they just they can like clone out of people like wes and that one storyline that we did and then um <laughs> i dare you all to go back and check what storyline mikey's talking yeah. about give us the episode i dare alex you. the magician who turned on everyone last episode he's like i work for the muns because magicians are lame. You mean because magicians are lame? Yeah, he's Nailed a magician. <laughs> Jeremy with laser eyes. He's trying to laser people, but he's really tired from moving the ship, so his eyes are going out. Allie the mermaid uses a shell bra and cuts it up, and then like it's sharp. She doesn't ever wear it because she's like, you know, it's like it's modern day. People don't dress like that. Yeah, it was essentially a souvenir from her former life. Like she's yeah. she's still dressed or whatever. Yeah. Nathan, the professional wrestler, he slowly chokes the life out of a gray. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do love like he's like in a WWE style ring, just choking out this gray while also everywhere around him. People are fighting. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and then Dreskel, he's like, I have some ideas from the Illuminati, Amy. We can get this ship working and running. He, he, they go to the engine room where Jeremy was, but they're going they're trying to make a real engine. Anyway, Isaac's eating people, and then Dave gets stabbed to death by a bunch of little fingers that are sharp of mun people. They just stab him a bunch of times, and he dies. And then the episode ends in this big battle. I didn't realize that they their fingers were so nimble. They're also like pointy, like stabby. Yeah, they have nails at the end. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, all right, that checks out. Well, I guess we'll have to find out next week what happens on another episode of The, the Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ookie spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Fungus zombie nerds. <laughs>